What's the minimum number of games the Miami Hurricanes need to win this season for you to consider the year acceptable? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen. I come with company today, very good friend of mine, former Miami Hurricane, also a, a longtime radio co-host of mine, former Canes punter Brian Monroe is with us. Brian, how you doing, sir? Man, you know what? I'm just trying to stay cool in this in this temperatures we've been having. You know, you got to hydrate out there. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable that the, if they still had two a days, I could only imagine what it'd be like coming up in August for these young men. <laughs> if they still had two a days, people would be dropping like flies out there. <laughs> well, you know that's why they get comfortable in this like indoor facility we have now, right? Yeah. You know, gorgeous out. You know, why aren't you outside sweating and you know getting used to this heat? Because last time I checked, you know, Hard Rock is uh. It's outside. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for people who don't know, Brian Monroe, not only did he play at Miami from 03 to 07, uh, but he's also very well connected with the program. He goes out there to a lot of practices. He's had a chance to talk with most of the coaches on the staff. Yeah, I've been having a lot of conversations the last couple days, Brian, because people are inviting me on their shows to do college football previews. And if you were to give me a number for next year, on the minimum amount of games Miami needs to win. This is not necessarily your prediction. This is not necessarily your ceiling. But for me, if they win less than seven games, um, I'm going to be really pissed, right? Like that That's kind of where I draw the line to me. Well, what's the magic number for you for an acceptable season? You know, it's, it's, it's sad to say this just because times have changed, but I would go with eight. I would go with okay. eight wins, and I think that is a – a happy medium for how they've constructed this roster. I don't think obviously this roster is elite just yet, but I think they brought in great pieces for, you know, areas of concern from the last couple of years. Um, but I look at, I look at eight, obviously I think they have three very tough games. Um, four, I guess if you can throw in the Texas A&M because they're a very talented team as well. Um, but you look at, you got Clemson and, you know, Dabble's done a great job. You look at what, um, Mike Norvell's done with Florida State and the roster, the way they flipped it with the transfer portal the last couple of years. And you've got UNC, who's been a thorn in the butt for the Miami Hurricanes for a while, and they've arguably got one of the best quarterbacks um, in college football in Drake May. So I look at those are the, you know, the four toughest games on that schedule, and the rest you should be able to, one, manage, and you, know, you should be able to compete in the rest of the games. You know, one of the position groups I know you pay close attention to, as I do, I I'd love your take on, is wide receiver. Um, Miami made some key additions there, you know, bringing in Shamar Kirk from junior college, who I think is going to uh, pleasantly surprise a lot of people. Tyler Harrell has that crazy speed, that 4-2 track speed. Uh, I also, you know, I like the possibilities from a guy like Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie Washington, who are very young. Uh, that's been a problematic area. Uh, it's also been an area where Miami has struggled with health and consistency. So, like, if a lot of us, we look at who we pencil in as the wide receiver starters, Right. Xavier Restrepo in the slot, Jacoby George, Colby Young on the boundaries. Those are probably your starting receivers. But do you think it's going to play out that way? Or do you think some of those guys may really be challenged for starting jobs this year? 
Oh, no, they're going to – I believe they're going to start week one, but I think that's going to change when you get to about, you know, week three, week four, when you start bringing in the big dogs as far as Texas A&M coming in here because, you know, you, you got to get your best players on the field. Now, obviously, there's going to be, you know, one or two reasons why you get on the field, you know, faster. Uh, we can't keep you off the field because you're killing everybody in practice. Right. And the second thing is you need to know your playbook. Um, I think, you know, with the new coaching staff they're bringing in, uh, you might go a little bit more four wide. You might spread them out a little bit more. You might rotate the receivers just to keep them fresh. Um, I think that Tyler Harrell will be a guy that you see instantly just because of his speed and something we've missed as far as a breakaway guy um, in this offense. Uh, two young guys, like you mentioned, Robbie Washington, but the guy that I'm really interested in that I think you'll see in a lot of screen plays um, and a lot of just get him out in space and make a guy miss is uh, Ray Ray Joseph. You know, you know, we talk, we haven't had that one cut receiver make a move. Uh, yeah, man, I mean. It's been a while. It's, it, it's been a while. You know, you could, I guess we could say Amon Richards because he, he did have a great freshman year. And he, you know, I remember the, what was it, the West Virginia game where he took a couple of, you know, shots and made one man miss and took it 80 yards. Um, but, you know, for me, I'll probably go back all the way to Roscoe. You know, where that, you that's just, who I was thinking, honestly. When, when you brought that up, I'm like, is it? And it's been almost 20 years since Roscoe yeah. was here. If you just put it in his hand, it's gone. And it's just one of those things where you look at a Robbie Washington and a Ray Ray Joseph just in practice. What I've seen, those are the type of dudes where if I get him in space with one guy, they're going to make the first guy miss every single time. And I think we've missed that for a long time to have that breakaway, help your quarterback out, make a move, get 20, get 30, and then listen, get 80. You know, and that's one of the things that you'll see from. And I think a lot of these receivers they have. Something I'd like your perspective on as a former player is what it's like transitioning with so many new coaches, right? Miami's got two new coordinators each side of the football, new wide receivers coach, new quarterbacks coach, who's also the new OC, new running backs coach, new tight ends coach, new linebackers coach. You know, uh, one of the defensive line coaches is new. Jason Taylor was on the staff but not coaching last year. That's a lot of transition, Brian, where there's only really, you know, a few holdovers, defensive backs coach, offensive line coach uh, from last year. Um, does that concern you at all? Because it's like I, I think that most of these changes, if not all these changes, are probably for the better. But with that much turnover, do you worry about the staff chemistry and just the organization? So from coaches to players, I don't really worry. Honestly, it's the coaches that need to worry about getting along. Right. Because obviously we went through when I was in school going into my senior year, a big change in coaches. And we had a lot of personalities that thought they should have been the guy. And that was a problem between our coaches. And, and you know, it trickled down to the players um, from everything I know from, the, you know, listening to the young men. Um, they love the new coaches. They bring in energy. Um, they might have been missing from some previous coaches. You know, they're bringing a relatability when you're bringing in a Kevin Beard who played at Miami. You bring in a, a Derek Nicholson who played at Florida State. That's a younger guy that you kind of can look up to as like a big brother or father figure and say like, okay, he was just in our shoes. I can relate to him. Um, with the tight ends coach, you know, he was, he's been here on, uh, as an assistant um, and they know him. He's been in the recruiting process, but now he is the guy. Um, I think as far as the coaches and getting along and gelling will be fine. Obviously, it's just how how fast will they pick up the offense? How fast will they pick up the defense, right? That's the one thing you worry about, uh, insulation. You know, Tyler, I don't worry about because he's a smart young man. He's going to understand it. Um, Matt Lee, I have no issues with him, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest additions on this offense. I think it's going to help this offense gel because once you have a center 
that understands everything about, you know, what blitz is coming, who's doing this, help any person, you know, changing direction when it comes to pass protection. Uh, it, it, just, it just saves the tackles and the guards. And, you know, bringing in a, and a Cohen from Alabama that's seen a lot of ball. You can kick out Rivers if Nelson isn't ready for the left tackle. You have Cooper as your right guard that has played a lot of ball last year when we had a bunch of injuries. And you bring in a very uh, talented five-star kid and Francis Goa that you might need to help out. But that's why you go get a McCormick, the tight end from uh, Oregon that was with Coach Cristobal that's, you know, going in this seventh, eighth year that is a very good inline blocker. And that's really one of the things they loved about him. So I think having those type of like veteran leaderships, we've missed in the past. We were expecting, you know, young guys to be the guy. And, and when you have really good football teams, it needs to be an old head to be the guy. The young guys can't expect to be stepping up. You want out of the class of 25, five. Five guys that say, okay, cool. We can sprinkle you in here. You're going to be a special teams demon. The rest of you, go in the weight room, learn to play ball, understand the playbook, and then we'll get you in in year two, year three. I like it. Um, something that we talked about on yesterday's episode I want to get Brian's take on is the NIL landscape. Not just Miami, but everywhere. Because my view is it's not as much about what Miami's doing or not doing. I think it's a lot about other schools catching up. I want to get Brian's opinion on it when we come back. We're only getting started right here on this new episode. Brian Monroe is with us here on Locked on Canes. Guys, uh, Brian was just talking about how hot it is, like record heat indexes outside. I'm keeping cool because I'm wearing my bird dog shorts. Bird dogs make you look good. The stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than those regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fixed that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki. So you still look casual out there, but you feel like you're wearing athletic shorts. They stretch so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dogs uses, very important for us South Floridians, anti-stink sweat wicking fabric to keep you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code Locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. I love this thing as well. That comes with every order. If you go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or use our promo code locked on college, get that free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. And for the everydayers, uh, you know, we got you covered all throughout the week. We will have on Brian Smith. Uh, we got all the Bryans this week. Brian Smith, our recruiting expert, is going to join us later on this week to talk about some of the key battles out there. And obviously, as Brian Monroe is with us, one of the key components in recruiting these days, whether people want to believe it or not, is name, image, and likeness, NIL. Uh, and, you know, people have been asking me, Brian, and, and also we have a lot of the amateur financial analysts out there who keep up <laughs> with the Life Wallet stock prices and, oh, my God, Miami's broke. They have no more NIL. But then when Miami gets Marquise Lightfoot to commit, they bought him. So I, I don't know which it is, if Miami's broke or if they're buying players. But um, what's your view on the state of Miami's NIL? And is it more than just John Ruiz and Life Wallet? Because he's obviously the one who makes all the noise on social media. But how do you feel about Miami's NIL efforts these days? Um, I have no concern about it. Um, I know they're they're good in that that area. Um, obviously, everybody knows John Ruiz because um, he's very vocal when it comes to his part of marketing. And I guess he should be right, because that's what NIL is about, promoting a business, a company. Um, well, we'd like him to not say certain things, obviously, but 
again, you can't control what somebody does with their money that they're spending and their marketing. Uh, yes, obviously we have more than just John Ruiz. You know, obviously our first NIL guy was Dan Lambert uh, years ago. He's the one that really started, you know, turning, turning the pot saying, oh, everybody's getting paid. That's not fair, blah, blah, blah. Now you look around college football and plenty of teams have that same type of deal. Um, yes, we have other guys behind the scene that obviously don't want to be named or care to be named, but make sure that everything is um, running well. And uh, you're right. Uh, other schools have caught up as far as organization with their NIL programs. And also laws are different in different states, which is difficult for some schools, right? Obviously, I think we just finally got where the school can promote players before it was illegal in Florida. But in Ohio, they could run their NIL program through their school. So they could do whatever they wanted and be legal. Other states couldn't do that. I know an SEC school that they run their NIL program through the school. There is no third party John Ruiz's. They directly negotiate with the players, they pay the players, and they get paid up front. Is that allowed time. in Florida? Yeah. Okay. No, no, it's not Florida. It's not Florida. Oh, it's, it's not, not Florida. My bad. <laughs> it's, it's an SEC school. So, so it's not Florida. Again, yeah. No, states are different, right? So yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. where. Yeah. I think that's another an issue that you see in the NIL component. And also certain states can pay high school players. Yeah. Right. And other states can't. So now you'll have kids saying, well, I want to get paid before I get to your school. And then when I sign, I want this too. So, you know, everyone always says that, oh, it's all in Miami this, but I could have sworn, like you said, we were broke forever. And now it's all of a sudden, now we have all the money in the world and all we're doing is paying players. And I always ask other fan bases, I'm like, so you just think that guys are coming to your school because they love your colors? They love your, your locker room? Like, you're, <laughs> they, they, want, they want to live in the Midwest? <laughs> you think they're not getting paid? Like, you're, the kids are getting paid, you know? It's just, yeah. I could tell you ki what prices kids are getting paid because I've talked to fathers. I've talked to players. I've talked to agents. And it's always funny to me when you kind of pick out a player that's a star player for their school and be like, he's getting paid this much. Oh, no, I know the guy that does NL. He's not getting paid that much. All right, go ask him and come back to me. All right, you're right. He's getting paid that much. It's like, okay, exactly. So just because, you know, certain schools like to get hated on more, um, it's just what happens. I mean, when it comes down to it, we've been priced out. I've heard some of the numbers sure. for some of these, from some of these players that are getting it. I'm just like, how? He hasn't done anything in college football. What if he doesn't even play for two years? Do you still have to pay him for two years? And they're like, yeah. I said, what if he gets injured? They're like, you still got to pay him. So I, again, I, I mad props to everybody that's, you know, behind their scenes for University of Miami. I appreciate, you know, keeping us and getting us to this level playing field, whether that's, you know, the new locker rooms, the new everything and the NIL. But man, I don't know. My hard earned money when a kid out there slacking or not giving his effort, like, you know, as a former player, you know, we talked about this before in a group of former players, putting money together, doing NIL. You know, a former player said, I'll whoop some kid's ass if he's not giving 110%. Like, I'm going to come down and take my money back. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work with some of our dudes. Like, you're wow. crazy to think that these dudes walk the hallway before you. Those names are up in the banners. They're first-round picks. They're Hall of Famers in college. Some of them are Hall of Famers in the NFL where you're trying to get. They're paying you to do whatever you got to do, and you're going to slack? Yeah, that's not going to work. That's going to be, be interesting. 
Do you, do you think talking because obviously there have been many slackers in recent years at Miami and then guys who didn't want to put in the work. Um, it seems to me like this coaching staff is trying to avoid guys with personalities like that, right? Because, you know, your abilities and your athleticism is only part of the puzzle. Like I had a conversation with Alonzo Highsmith at Legends Camp about this, about the type of personalities they go after. Um, do you feel in your experience with some of these incoming freshmen and some of the freshmen last year, are they having success in that regard? Are they getting dogs? So I'll tell you this. You mentioned one of the guys, Alonzo Highsmith, and then you mentioned the other head honcho, uh, Mario Cristobal. You're talking about two guys that have been around ball their whole life. You're talking about two guys that have done it right, national championships, uh, front office experience in the NFL, knows what it takes to be a champion, knows what it takes to be a winner, and all they're going to do is outwork you. That's it. This is all you're going to see from Miami. When you go to the practice now, it's a different speed. It's a, it's a different player. I mean, the size of these young men that are walking through the hallways as freshmen, I stand back and say, like, you know, what the hell are y'all feeding these kids now? Because, you know, I'm still 6'2", with decent size, and then, you know, you're walking by these kids as 18, should be in high school 17, and they're 6'5", 315, 6'7", and, you know, and now you're starting to see what it used to look like as far as size-wise work ethic. Now, you can't force anybody to do anything, right? You can only – you can only lead them and, and, and hope you're recruiting the right guy that, one, internally wants to be great. You can only push yourself and have your teammates push you. But there's plenty of guys, with, you know, what's the saying from a Bronx sale, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent? Yep. You know, you, you, we've seen it before in our past. But I can tell you this, um, talking to this past recruiting class, talking to some of the guys in that uh, front office coaching a lot of them that have been in college football for a long time says they've never been around a collective group as once recruiting class as such great young men for what you want as far as being an example for the next recruiting class as far as parents to look up to, work ethic, and just wanting to win. They've never been around a group like that. Now, they said that they might get maybe a more talented class here and there but you'll never get what you're looking for in college football to someone that's going to be in a grinder, outwork you, but then sit in front of a teacher, a parent, or next recruit and sell the University of Miami the way that this class they just got. They're very excited about this class. And they're excited about guys that I know fans love the star ratings and stuff like that. They have some guys that are a lot more rated on their board than the star system. So mm. I'd be on the lookout for some of the guys that maybe fans are sleeping on. Okay. I, I like to hear that. We're joined here by Brian Monroe, former University of Miami football player. Uh, he punted at the U from, was it 2003 to 2007 or was 06 your last six. year? 06. Six so the, on the blue turf in Boise, that was your last game. Oh, yeah. We were there. Oh, yeah. We were there. That was a fun game, though. That was, that was a fun That was a fun thing. <laughs> Oh, man. I want to get Brian's take on, you know, one of the key recruiting battles moving forward, a five-star defensive lineman that every Miami fan wants to see the Hurricanes land. And uh, I love Brian to weigh in on the running back room because it looks great on paper. I I'd love to know who he thinks the top dog is going to be this year. So you want to keep it locked here on Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. And for the everydayers, if you want to take your everydayer experience to the next level, we have so much fun. We basically keep the show going 24 hours a day. 
on our subtext community. You get SMS texts directly from my phone to yours, and you can ask me anything one-on-ones there on the subtext. I give you guys scoops, breaking news, show updates and previews, stuff you're not going to get anywhere else. So if you want to sign up completely free for the first 14 days, you can click the link in the show description below. And then after two weeks, if you want to opt in, $4.99 a month, we give you a lot of extra added value on there in the subtext community. Brian Monroe joins us here on Locked on Canes. So, you know, Brian, um, based on what I can gather on Kamari and Franklin, who's a five-star defensive tackle, Miami's very much alive, of course, in his recruitment. Uh, I was even told by someone I trust as recently as last night that he definitely thinks the Hurricanes are leading right now for what that's worth. And I say that because it doesn't sound like he's going to make an announcement anytime soon. So obviously when you're talking about a five-star guy, the longer it drags out, the more of a chance that Tennessee and Ole Miss have to really give him something to think about. Where do you think Miami stands with Kamari and Franklin, who seems to have a great relationship with Jason Taylor? Oh, that's the name, right? Jason Taylor. I mean, how, how do you not want to you know, be coached by a Hall of Famer at your position? Uh, again, I mentioned earlier in the show, He's been there before. He, he, he's he been to where you want to get to. Uh, he was a student of the game. He can look at your film and tell you exactly what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, what to work on. I mean, it, it's the perfect, you know, mirror as far as a coach and a player. So um, there's a reason why he was able to get light foot. Um, there's a reason why we're still in it for some of the high four-star and five-star uh, defensive linemen. And I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's over for some of the higher guys that maybe have went off the board. Um this is recruiting. It doesn't end until you sign the, the paperwork, right? I mean, Mark Fletcher was committed to Ohio State for how long? You know, Citizen, we weren't in it until, until the very end. Um, Nigel e. Kelly. I mean, they, you could go on and on and on. Uh, one thing about this coaching staff is they're relentless. Uh, Mario is a beast. Uh, I wouldn't worry about anything. But you also got to remember, it's not always up to the player. There's other factors with these kids. As we know. Why they <laughs> or why they not? Yeah, yeah. Um, because there was another guy that wanted to come to the U, but uh, mom didn't. <laughs> we'll just say he wasn't able to at the at the time. So, well, and, and also going going back to last year's class, there was a player that you know was was signed with Miami. Girlfriend went somewhere else. He decided to follow the girlfriend. So I fancy yeah. to realize that when it comes down to recruits, not you know going all the way in or signing or whatever, it's not always on them. Just remember that. Like yeah. there's guys I know stories about guys that literally were at recruiting trips and like I want to sign right now and other people are like you can't right now and that's just how it happens but again I think they're in the thick of things with Franklin I mean again you see what they wanted to attack last recruiting class that was offensive linemen they ended up with two five star and a very high three star and what trips of four star um Kingsler I mean Kingsler they love um this year defensive line that's what they want to attack so they went and got their high four star right now and Lightfoot you're in it with a couple five stars. And I think at the end of the day, this recruiting class for the defensive line will look like the offensive line from last year where you'll possibly see a five star, maybe two and a couple high four stars and maybe a three star that you don't think is good. But the coaches love because there's a four star. I think that they have higher on their board than any five star in the country right now that they would love to land. Um, and if it does happen on signing day. We can talk about it on a show and we'll unveil which players that is, but I don't want to say it right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, one thing I trust about the staff is their talent evaluation. You look at some of the three stars that they've, you know, uh, offered that all of a sudden two months later were elevated into four stars um, in the recruiting world. 
that they noticed were good players that fit their system. Then all of a sudden now everybody recruits them, right? You know, what's the linebacker, Rohan Marley's nephew, Chris Cole? Cole. He was a three-star. Then all of a sudden everybody wanted him because he went to a four-star. Now we got a top eight instead of just him coming down to the U. But no, I think in the end you'll see this defensive line class look like the offensive line class from last year. I want to get your take on the running back room because there's a lot of upside in that room uh, between Henry Parrish, Don Chaney, A.J. Allen, who transferred in from Nebraska. You know, hopefully we see Trevante Citizen this season at some point. Come on, give me another- Fletcher, yes. Chris Johnson. So that, that's that's where you wanted to go. Is that your favorite guy in the room, Fletcher? You know what's so funny? I watched a couple of his games in high school, and, you know, he's a man amongst boys. He just – looks like a college running back should look like right next woman practice he should have been in high school when he committed and he's here just watching practice and he's a big young man like he's the size that you want to see and he's shifty you know it's not like he's just some big slow guy like no he can move he can run you over he's got everything now again when it comes to freshmen it's all about one thing can i trust you Right. Running back coach Tim Harris, can I trust him? Can the offensive coordinator trust him? Can I trust you to pass protect? Can you pick up the blitz? Do you understand everything? If I can't, I can't put you in the game. So for the freshman, it's going to be, can I trust you? Or do I can only put you in situational stuff? Obviously, you would love to get Chris Johnson into space because he's a speed demon. Even if he can't be in a third down blocker, at least if you get him into one on one situation with outside linebacker or a safety, you would think be able to pick up 10 yards or make a guy miss, pick up 30. Um, I think Henry Parrish leads the uh, way going into the uh, season just because uh, he's the eldest. He understands that he played at a high level last year. I don't think he's the uh, most physically gifted running back that we have, but he'll probably lead the way. If Don Chaney can stay healthy, which he hasn't the last two years, um, he's one of the most gifted guys we have in the locker room. He's, He's fast. He's big. He can make you miss. He can do it all. It's the reason he came out as a five-star. I mean, at the time, I think one of the top Broward rushing um, guys in history. Um, And then you got, uh, I think, two dudes that they're excited about, but one's coming off an injury, right? So when does Trevante Citizen come back? When is he 100% healthy? I don't know, so I'm not going to depend on him in the first half of the season. So I won't even bring him up as far as this is what's going to happen. But A.J. Allen, they're very excited about. They like what he brings to the table and they think that he could get up this depth chart in a hurry. So if I had to say at the midpoint of the year, I would probably say if everybody stays healthy, my rotation would probably be AJ Allen, Mark Fletcher, Don Cheney. I like it. That'd probably be my rotation. If everyone can stay healthy. Now if you give me Trovante citizen healthy and understands the playbook, then he'll yeah. be right there. But again, you, what fans always think is like, oh, well, he's this. He looks like that, and he's got this many stars. And I'm like, okay, but does he know the playbook? Because I've been around tons of players that were the number one at the position, the number one in the country, and you put them in practice, and they look like a deer in the headlights, where you just sitting there like, yeah. And that's important because that's something that fans don't see. So fans are like, because Miami had at least one running back last year that fans were wondering, why is this guy in the doghouse? Why is this guy never getting on the field? We're, you know, we're, we're not aware, and I include media in that because we don't get to watch a whole lot of practice during the season. You're, you're not aware of what's going on in those battles in practice. And it's not even just, you know, knowing what's in practice. It's like knowing what's your call, what's your assignment, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if one blown assignment, then we have a, a gap, and now you're going 60 because the other 10 men are depending on you being in your gap and your situation at the right time. 
if we all work together, we can shut it down. Once one guy be, becomes selfish, you open up holes. And that's the biggest thing on defense or an offense, an offensive line, you know, a wide receiver missing his block from a running back taking on the outside going, you know, 80 to him getting a tackle for loss. So that's the one thing I want fans to always understand is that if you do not understand your playbook, you will never play because there's yeah. no coach that's going to put in a player they can't trust. Because when it comes down to it, it's a result business. Guess who leaves first? Not the player. The coach gets fired. So you remember that when you see a player, and maybe sometimes a player might be, oh, oh, oh and then goes to set up a player saying, I know what's about to happen before the play head happens, and I go. So that's 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 big. And there's there might be a couple of guys on this roster you think should play. Probably won't play because they don't know their playbook. That's well said. You want to follow this man on Twitter at B underscore Monroe 15. Are you on threads now as well, Brian? Yeah, I got it just in case, you know, Twitter was an implode because I felt like we never knew. Like I couldn't even read, you know, I was trying to refresh and nothing was coming. I was hitting limits. I was like, what is going on? All I want to do is make sure who's in the NBA free agency right now. Does Dame come over yet? Like, so I just got it. I don't know how much I'm going to use it, but if it's going to be like my instant news source and it's working better, I'll use it. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's my Instagram, bmonroe15. Yeah, I added it. I don't have a strong opinion on it yet, but I realize now it's just more work for me because, you know, I, I promote all my shows. Like, I, I always do, you know, tweets on two yep. different Twitter accounts. I do a Facebook post. I do an Instagram post. Now it's like I can do a Threads post as well now. So it's more work for me is all that it's done in my life. <laughs> I'm like, I can't keep up with all this, man. And I want yeah. to crown a lot of order. And I want it, like, the times that it's released. Like, until they fix that, yeah. I'm not happy with it. I love it. Well, great stuff as always. Brian Monroe, always a pleasure. And guys, thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We will talk to you next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.